Tonight's Bible reading comes from Matthew chapter 6, verses 5 to 13. And when you pray, do not be like the hypocrites, for they love to pray standing in the synagogues and on the street corners to be seen by others. Truly I tell you, they have received their reward in full. But when you pray, go into your room, close the door, and pray to your Father who is unseen. Then your Father, who sees what is done in secret, will reward you. And when you pray, do not keep on babbling on like the pagans, for they think they will be heard because of their many words. Do not be like them, for your Father knows what you need before you ask him. This, then, is how you should pray. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us today our daily bread and forgive, and forgive us of our debts as we have also forgiven those who, de- who owe us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. Thanks, Ben. <clears throat> Thanks, Alexandra. Evening, everyone. You had a good time? It's my privilege tonight to be able to talk to you for a little bit about prayer. And while we looked at this passage about a month ago, it's the passage that was selected for us as we follow the QB outline for our talks um, to introduce this 21 days of prayer. Um, So let's do that. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for the opportunity we've had tonight to worship you in song, uh, in sharing, in hearing the testimony of uh, Liam and Taylor and how you've worked in their life. And again, Lord, we just want to honour you and bless you for it. We thank you for your... We worship you by listening to your word. And we ask, Lord, now that you would speak to us, that you would open our hearts to receive your word, our minds to uh, evaluate and to discern, to respond, and our wills, to obey. We ask this in Jesus' name. And everybody said, Amen. When it comes to prayer, uh, several things happen, I think, in the hearts of people. Speaking generally, let me just try and get this up. Um, The people start to feel guilty about it because they don't feel good enough about it. Turn. Thank you. Um... It's the same with evangelism. As soon as you want to talk about that or about giving, then guilt suddenly starts to rise. So I don't want to do that tonight. I don't want you to go away feeling guilty. Though, I mean, if you've been neglecting it, well, then you should be as guilty as anything. No, no, I I don't want you to feel guilty. I want you to be encouraged and motivated or challenged in order to maybe reconsider it. Um, And we're certainly quite happy to talk to you about it. I guess, generally speaking, some people, if not many people... Uh, regard prayer like a spare tyre in their life, a spare tyre in the car. Most of you drive, though not all of you, but you all know what a spare tyre is and I don't think any of us think too much about the spare tyre until you have a flat and then, of course, you think about the spare tyre, don't you? Some people treat prayer just like that. Now, God is like the spare tyre in their life and that they don't really think about him or they don't talk to him in prayer until, oops, problem, I need God. Uh, I think I shared a couple of weeks ago, we have new neighbours moving in around us. We're doing the Master Life course, this is how God works. It's not funny, it's, well, it's funny and enjoyable. Um, I need to be careful of time too, because I could just waffle on all night. And I'm very conscious that I don't want to do that. 
We've been praying through Master Life that God would uh, lead us to new people of uh, building friendships with people who don't know Jesus yet. And so new people moved in across the road, new people moved in beside them, house next door went up for sale, <laughs> that's now sold, new people moving in there. So God's putting new people all around me and in one of them across the road here is a Christian and I suspect they may have come to this church about 10 years ago but they've gone to another Chinese church now, they're a Chinese couple. Yeah, that's interesting, I'm yet to meet, I met him, I haven't met her yet. A couple across the road are the ones I told you about, he doesn't, I don't think, he might believe in God but he certainly doesn't follow Jesus as best, from what little bit I know about them and she's pretty much in the same boat except last year, um, second or third marriage for them and they have children from a previous marriage and her son got very sick. She was brought up in a brethren church, Christian church years ago, got away, drifted away. Son got very sick, she started praying. Then a spare tire comes out and she made a promise, God if you get him better then I promise I'll go back to church. They moved in across the roads from us and the following Sunday they were in church, sat down the back, right down there. Which is a problem because now they're living across the road from me and I have to behave and <laughs> maybe that's why God's answering the prayer. The disciples grew up in a world where they, um, they were familiar with prayer. They probably went to the synagogue and they probably prayed each day. They had recited prayers but when Jesus prayed, they had this incredible experience where um, they saw something in him. It wasn't just the words, it's the way he did it. He just seemed to connect with God. For him, it was real. And I apologise tonight for the slides. I hope you can read them. Um, I've done something to my iPad and I did this, so I did this on my iPhone. And my iPhone is small and I'm half blind and my fingers are big. So if it turns out, then that's a miracle. And Liam, that would be a sign that <laughs> God is with us. They saw the Lord Jesus pray and when he had finished, one of the disciples said to him, Lord, can you teach us to pray? John taught his disciples, man, we listen to you pray and we'd like to pray just like you. And you know this story. Jesus says, this then is how you should pray. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. It's interesting, this is repeated for us twice. We're looking at Matthew 6 tonight. But in Luke 11, which is where we started, <clears throat> in Luke 11, it's a private encounter. The disciples saw and heard Jesus pray and they came to him and said, can you teach us to pray just like that? The one in Matthew 6 is more public. It's Jesus and the Sermon on the Mount and he initiates that. The one in Luke is initiated by the disciples. And I'm just pointing that out to you, that one's in a private context, one's in a public context, which leads me to this conclusion. Some people get all uptight and twisted and, and about saying, when Jesus said this, this is how then you should pray. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Should we pray the Lord's Prayer? Is it okay to repeat it, to memorize? Yes, it is. That's why he gave it. He gave it to us as a guide. But he also gave it to us as like a template, an outline. It begins with God, then it moves on to us. That's a healthy guideline in prayer. And though it's disputed, verse 13 in, I think it's verse 13, in Matthew chapter 6 talks about... For thine is the kingdom, the power and the glory. And it's not in most Bible versions and, and that's okay because it's not in the Greek manuscripts. But if you put that one in, and I like to put it in, um, then it begins, prayer begins with God, we get on to our agenda, our stuff, our needs and then it finishes with God. That's a nice, neat way to remember it. The other way to remember it, as it's now recorded in the scriptures for us, is that in Matthew chapter 6 it begins with God, God in heaven, our Father in heaven, 
And it finishes with deliver us from the evil one. It ends with Satan on earth. That's not a bad parallel either. But when we pray, we're talking to God in heaven and we talk about our needs and then we talk about spiritual protection and then we're going out into the world to face the evil one. When we pray, it's built based upon a relationship. I want us to get that tonight. It begins with calling God our Father. Prayer is God is a person. He's not, he's not a force. He's not uh, an it. He's not um, an idea. Um, he is a living person. It's a mystery, but he's Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. One God in three persons in complete unity. Um, and he gave us this prayer. So when we come, when we meet him, when we meet the Father through the person of the Lord Jesus, we are brought into his family. We're talking to our heavenly Father. And not all of us have great fathers, but most of us do, or many of us do, I'm quite sure. But think and imagine the best earthly father. Well, our heavenly father is even better than that. And when we're talking to him in prayer, we're talking to the one who's in charge. He's the king. He's the sovereign Lord. There's nothing that he can't do and there's nothing he doesn't know. In fact, the Bible says to us that his ears are open to our prayer and his eyes are upon us when we pray. He's watching and he's listening. He loves us, he cares about each one of us and he wants us to know him as you heard through Liam and as you've heard through Taylor tonight. And if you want that experience too, go talk to those guys, come and talk to us because God would love to know you personally. He has all of the resources we need for whatever it is that we bring before him. So remember that in prayer, we're talking to him, which gives, means we can pray with confidence and with submission. Can God do anything? Yes. Well, it's confidence. God can do anything. Whatever is going on in your life, he can fix it. Will he? I don't know. Well, that's submission. So I pray in confidence, God, I know you can. I don't know if you will. Not my will, but your will be done. We'll come to that. Uh, Jesus went on. Your kingdom come. This is how you pray. Your kingdom come. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. I just want to give you three quick points tonight and, and finish off the service. When Jesus says your kingdom come, what's he talking about? Well, he certainly is talking about the um, personal kingdom, God's kingdom in us. I'm going to come back and talk about that. He's also talking about God's kingdom coming to our, um, our wider circle, our region, our area. But it's also, the Bible talks about God's kingdom coming on earth. That's a global thing. In the book of Revelation, uh, when you went to school, a teacher would have told you, like the teacher told me, that all the answers to the textbooks, all the answers in the text are in the back of the book. Well, so too in the Bible. All the answers are in the back, in the book of Revelation. The book of Revelation tells us how it all works out. You can, can you read that? The seventh angel sounded his trumpet, and then there was a loud voice in heaven, and then it says, the kingdoms of this world have become the kingdoms of our Lord and of his Christ, of his Messiah, and he will reign forever and ever. That's where we're headed. That's what's going to happen. So when we pray your kingdom come, we're praying that, that Jesus will return. He'll set up a new heaven and a new earth. It will be like the Garden of Eden and no more pain, no more sin, no more sorrow. None of that. It's all done. But that's in the future. When we pray your kingdom come, we're also praying that we will submit to him. Your will be done in my life. God's kingdom is his dominion in me, in you personally, individually. Prayer is the means by which we surrender to God. That's a key point for us to get tonight. 
If you know him, then you have experienced some sort of kingdom shift. The book of Colossians says to us uh, that as you know Jesus, he has taken us out of the kingdom of darkness and transferred us to the kingdom of the Son of his love. We've been transferred from the kingdom of rebellion, of Satan, transferred to the kingdom of Jesus. And that kingdom brings with it new priorities. Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added to you. God's kingdom, his rule, his priorities, his will, becomes our priority, becomes number for us. And I think it was Liam who testified tonight that that's what he has experienced. And Taylor certainly was heading and using almost exactly those same words. Life changes. Stuff happens. Ups and downs, twists and turns. People we trust who betray us, people we think we, can, uh, we like and love and they hurt us and we are all the recipients of that. And Taylor, wherever you are, extremely well done, very brave, very open, very vulnerable and I'm sure God's going to bless you through that. And Liam, let me just say to you, where did you go? I have never seen anybody so petrified or fear on their face as they're about to go into the waters of baptism <laughs> in anticipation of the coldness which was going to envelop you. Was it good? You warm? Yeah, absolutely. New priorities for us. When God answers our prayer, you've heard me say all of this stuff to you before, but God answers our prayers in lots of ways. He's our Heavenly Father. He cares about us. And most of the times, particularly if you are young in the faith, God will answer your prayers by saying, yes. He's like a grandfather with a grandchild. And if my grandchild asks me for ice cream for breakfast, she's getting ice cream for breakfast. <laughs> Is it good for her? I don't care. She's my grandchild. I want to spoil her. That's her parents' responsibility to provide the healthy stuff. God answers our prayers, definitely. If you're a new believer in the Lord Jesus, you'll ask for things and he will want to answer you because he wants to encourage you. And then as you grow, you'll learn that as he answers our prayers, sometimes the answer is yes, but it's not now. The timing's not right. And sometimes you'll answer your prayers and it's like, yes, you can have it, but it's going to be different. It's not quite exactly what you're asking for, but it's close. And then there are going to be sometimes, of course, where he's going to say no. Why? Because he's all-knowing and he knows what's best for you. And he knows what achieves his purpose, so he'll deny it. He's your loving Heavenly Father when you come to him. And in prayer is where we learn to surrender our wills to him. Just like the Lord Jesus did. This is a remarkable story. This is Jesus, the Son of God, in the Garden of Gethsemane, who comes to his Heavenly Father, who prays and says, this is my desire. I'd like you to take the cup away. If there's an alternative, let's go that way. That's what he wants, to which the Father is going to say, no. But then notice what Jesus does? Yet not my will, but your will be done. In prayer, we discover the ability that helps us to surrender our wills to his will. That's what we need to pray. Not just go through the routines and tick boxes and things, but it's this living, loving relationship with him. Um, yeah. So we pray because it's commanded, it's expected, it's helpful, all of those things. But we also pray because we experience incredible help in surrendering to him. Secondly, prayer is the means that God has given us to advance his kingdom in this world. God's linked them. As we pray, things happen. John Wesley, in fact, says that God does nothing in this world except in answer to prayer. 
when I became a Christian, I discovered that half, uh, half, certainly the Baptist church, they all knew me by name. I didn't know them, but they knew me because they'd been sharing my name and they were praying for me. That I became a follower of Jesus because people were praying for me. That story is repeated a million times around the world. Uh, God will wake you up in the middle of the night and pray for this person because God's doing something and he wants to involve us in it. Um, so God has uh, linked these things together. In fact, Martin Luther would say that I am so busy, I have so much to do, I have to spend three hours in prayer today in order to get it all done. There is this link between prayer and God's kingdom advancing in our world. In England, in the county of Birmingham, time's going, so I'll hasten, the, the church, a small church in a small country town, was undergoing renovation. And in the process of renovation, they were, you know, clearing the whitewash off the wall and taking layer after layer off. And on the very bottom layer, they found this fresco, this painting. And in the painting <clears throat> was the same, this little church um, with its pews, and, but the people were in medieval dress costume. And they were, all the members were sitting in the pews, so listening and worshipping God. But in between each of the members, there were these little demons who were sitting there and they had their hands over the mouths of the members. But Satan intends to make us silent saints. Silent in worship, silent in evangelism, silent in prayer. If you struggle with prayer, it's because there is an evil one who doesn't want you to pray. There is a spiritual battle going on. And that little fresco is a great reminder to that. In fact, Satan will do everything he can to stop you praying. Make you too busy, give you feelings. Oh, I don't feel like praying. Oh, I don't want to go to a prayer meeting. Yeah, that's boring. Um, there'll be distractions, there'll be questions, there'll be doubts, there'll be all sorts of issues. If you do start praying, then he'll try to spoil it. He'll try to distract you, deflect you, do all sorts of things. He doesn't want you praying because Satan knows how effective prayer is because God has linked prayer as his people pray, then God's kingdom advances. Satan doesn't want that. So be encouraged to pray. If you don't feel like praying, that's the time you must pray. I don't feel like it. Pray. Talk to your heavenly father and ask him, Lord, I don't feel like doing this, but I'm doing it because I know this is going to be so helpful or whatever. In fact, that's what the Apostle Paul says to us, isn't it? In Ephesians chapter 6, verse 10, that we don't wrestle against flesh and blood but against principalities and powers and all sorts of things in heavenly places. There's a struggle going on. We don't wrestle against people. It's not against flesh and blood. You don't have problems with your boss. You don't have problems with your neighbours. You don't have problems with people. Behind all of those issues that are going on in your life is the evil one who is working to trip you up. Well, there's an inside information for you. In fact, this is incredibly illustrated for us in the book of... <laughs> skip that one in the book of Daniel the book of Daniel <clears throat> there's not a lot of teaching about this but it's increasingly becoming understood in uh, our day and age <clears throat> but just like God's got a kingdom with angels and there are hierarchy and so on so the evil one has a kingdom and he has duplicated that that there are rulers and authorities and principalities and powers and rulers over darkness and spirits of wickedness and yada 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 all the way down and that the whole earth is divided up into regions and Daniel chapter 10, he talks about that Daniel took himself to praying and he prayed for guess how long? 21 days. 
I'm pretty sure that's where QB got it from. I'm not sure, but that's my guess. Um, He prayed for 21 days and the angel comes and says to him, Daniel, when you started praying, I was sent by the Father to answer you. But the spirit of the region of Persia stopped me. There's a battle going on in the heavenlies. It's a mystery to us. We don't see it. We don't know a lot about it, but we get this little glimpse of it. And somehow this demonic power was able to stop this angelic messenger until this other angel came, Michael, and was able to assist them and overthrew him. Then the angel comes to Daniel. Weird, isn't it? But it reminds us of a spiritual truth, that God has linked prayer to the advance in his kingdom and there is a spiritual kingdom opposed to it. And Satan doesn't want anybody to come to know Jesus personally. He wants to steal, kill and destroy. So prayer is the means in which we discover um, surrendering to God. Okay, that's what that says. Prayer is the means that God has given us to advance his kingdom and prayer is a weapon that God has given us. It's a tool to come against our enemy. When we pray, it strengthens us. The reality is the Bible teaches us that Satan is like a roaring lion walking around seeking someone to devour. He's looking for you. Now, let me say this to you. Satan is a person. He's an individual. He can be in one place at one time. If he's over there, he's not here. If he's here, he's not over there. And if he's not in Australia, then he can't be here. That's Satan. He's the leader of the pack. He's the king of this fallen kingdom, if you like. But he has his underlings and so on. Those other spiritual beings, and particularly the lower rank ones, who knows, they'll be here. And they'll be the ones who are trying to distract you. Remember the parable Jesus told where a sower went out to sow seed and some fell upon the path and then birds came and took the seed and flew away? And then when Jesus explained it, he said, the birds represent Satan, the demons, who come to take away the word that's been planted in you. Spiritual warfare. This stuff is going on. There's a battle going on. So prayer is the, the weapon, the tool, the instrument that God has given us in order to combat this. So this is what James says to us. Draw near to God and he will come to you. There's a wonderful promise. You approach God and God is more... We sang it in the song, his arms are open wide, he's ready to receive you. But you need to confess, cleanse your hands, you sinners, and so on. And then look, the very verse before that says, submit yourselves then to God, resist the devil, and he will flee from you. Prayer, draw near to God, confess your sins, be in right relationship and fellowship with him, submit to him, resist the devil, and he will flee from you. The way to spiritual victory. In prayer, our Father who is in heaven is a relationship. Your kingdom come, your will be done, is lordship. Lord, lead us not into temptation and deliver us from the evil one, is guardianship. That's why God wants us to pray, so that we can be growing in our relationship with him. There are many things that we could do and must do but none of them is more important than praying we need to raise that up our priority list if we haven't already done so god is calling us to commit ourselves to 21 days of prayer god is asking us will you pray will you sign up for the half hour section of prayer on that 19th there's another opportunity for you there are 21 days of prayer devotionals that you can download i think we've already sent them to you you can print those out you can access those have a look at them If they're helpful, use them. If not, put them aside, but still pray.
surrender to him, advance his kingdom, and protect yourself against the evil one. I'm done, let's pray. Heavenly Father, <clears throat> you are such a loving God, so powerful and yet so gentle. And you invite us into this very close, intimate relationship. Lord, help us to accept that and to do it. Forgive us for our silliness and our wrong priorities where we think other things are more important or attractive. How deceived we've been. Lord, forgive us and encourage us. Draw us again. Help us to seek you, to find you, to love you, to serve you, to be filled with you. And Lord, to cast all our cares upon you, to surrender our lives to you, your will to be done, your kingdom to advance, and for the evil one to be really frustrated. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen.